This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake them ropes, I'm Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino here, as per usual, want to thank those of you who who took my plea seriously and decided to sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash shake them ropes. It is a long holiday weekend coming up, kids. You're going to have a lot of downtime and a lot of people not recording stuff. Hey, kick in a buck, have two hours of quality Andy Kaufman content, and if we don't get five new subscribers by Monday, I'm canceling Shake Them Ropes. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> it's so dark, man. Don't let Shake uh, Them Ropes get taken up to heaven. <laughs> you need to subscribe to the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Shake Them Ropes. And if that works, you all can pay my mortgage. Oh, I don't get any of the Patreon money, so don't worry about it if you're worried about me. Jeez, Louise, do it for Chris. He's the better half of those two. <laughs> I just twiddle mobs in the background and chime in occasionally. Although I actually talk a fair amount on this show. I'm actually hosting, so if you want to experience what that's like, you, you can, you know, listen to it there on the Patreon. Patreon.com slash shake them ropes. I really don't have a point for a cleanup segment, so I'm going to uh I'm gonna talk a little bit about the news that broke today. That The Undertaker will be at StarCast 2. What is StarCast? StarCast is Conrad Thompson's podcasting convention that uh, intersects along with the AEW Super Show type of thing. They did one in Chicago. They'll do one here. You know, it's a lot of celebrity-based slash wrestling journalist-based podcasts. And if you'd like your podcast to be a part of it, you can pay to go and get a table. But uh, it's mostly, you know, you know they'll do an episode of, of Pritchard's show. They'll do an episode of Tony Schiavone's show. They had a panel on Death of WCW with uh, R.D. Reynolds last year uh alvarez and Meltzer and wade keller and bruce mitchell were all on a panel last year uh i think wrestlenomics did one in the hotel lobby at some point uh (laughs) you know it's it's one of those types of things but um it's the first non-wwe booked thing for the undertaker ever he is going to be there for four hours i believe signing things and uh, $25,000 an hour, which, uh, hey, it, it beats government work, as they say. Yeah, it beats most um, lines of work. That's, that's <laughs> a heck of a take, my friend. My, I, I've looked at this lineup, and the, the other thing that stuck out today was also L.A. Park is, is going to be a part of this thing. And I'm like, I just want to take Conrad and hug him and go, oh, you thought Marcus Bagwell was a problem. Get ready. Um, But there's a lot of talent on here that have WWE Legends contracts. The Four Horsemen have been signed. I think Magnum TA, who has a Legends contract, has been signed. Sting, Bret Hart. You know, there's there's a lot of guys here who have uh, 
if not, if they don't exactly have full time deals with the WWE, but they have friendly deals. I mean, Arn Anderson's a freaking producer for them, for God's sakes. I could see Vince. No, I see what's happening. Putting, Geriatric Wrestling down. Foundation. <laughs> Dude, I'm all over it. They just they with don't even guys, get in the ring. I'm they there. stand outside of the ring and cut promos on each other. One of them gets winded as they start making their way up the stairs. R needs to sit down for a bit. Rick goes and stands by him. And then he starts cutting a promo on someone else. It's just an hour of angry old men cutting promos on each other. Chris, a federation of old men talking and doing promos for two hours would be better than the wrestling I'm watching now for the most part. Yeah, we'd I probably end up reviewing that. Yes, the promos would be... I would watch. I would watch Tully and Arn cut promos now. They'd still be great. And we'd dutifully <laughs> talk about how they were fundamentally sound. Fundamental, yes, yeah, good, good fundamentals, always. Good fundamentals. Um, good fundamentals. <laughs> uh, so what, what's really other, happening? I'm sorry to derail oh, you. No, no, no. There's a couple other news bits. Uh, Jimmy Uso arrested... Uh, for getting an altercation with the cops after drinking. Well, no, I cut you off on The Undertaker. You were saying what oh. you thought was going on with Vince, and do you think Vince is going to come in and maybe disrupt this or stop allowing this sort of thing to happen, maybe crack the whip? I will. I think he will crack the whip, and I think he will crack the whip at a time where they won't be able to recover. I, th- I think it's going to be old school putting the screws to the to the upstarts. I, th- I, think, I think they're going to all be signed. And right before they're supposed to leave for Las Vegas or whatever, if you do this, we're going to null and void any kind of residuals you've been getting. Mm. Now, the down and dirty is if the old veterans are in on the con. Yeah, well, I mean, they don't get residuals from the network, I don't think. I I still think that's up in the air. But on Legends contracts, they do get, like, I think it's a little more than a per diem type of thing. I mean, it's not. It's not life-changing money, but it's hey, you know, it's a it, check it's that's coming in the mail. Money. That's money. Yes. It's not someone taking money from you. It's someone giving you money. That every one of those counts. Yeah. Um. So I I could see a lot, and you know I could see there's a few people who are involved in these types of things who have relatives who work for the company. You know, there's a lot of leverage here by the McMahon family that they could do, and it would it's going to be very interesting to me. And and somebody said. Asked me why I thought The Undertaker was doing this. Um, oh, he's I getting think... paid $25,000 an hour, right? Yeah. Well, that, uh, that's, that's, a, that's but... man, if I was looking for what could possibly be a motivator here, twenty-five k an doesn't hour. Have to you take can get a bump. me to do a lot of things for $25,000 an hour, Jeff. Doesn't have to take a bump. Doesn't have to put on the guy liner. Doesn't have to you know, go through the pyro. And he's a stage dad. It's very weird. I mean, he, he and... Michelle McCool, who is his wife, have a daughter who I believe is either a singer or a dancer. I remember being in town for a comedy thing in the same week or the week before, where it's like, oh yeah, The Undertaker was here the other week. Yeah, he is following his daughter around. I, You know what? That Those costs add up after a while if you're trying to get your kid into show business in some way, if, it, if you're on some sort of touring thing. Or something like that. I could, oh, no, I, 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 I know this money. actually firsthand. I used to work for a high-profile music school here in Dallas that uh, launched some American Idol-level talents. Like It was like a pop star music factory thing, and things were really expensive there if you were going to go to send your child to school there. So it could, it could just be, hey, you know what? 
<laughs> we made a lot, but we also spent a lot too. So this this might help uh, cover some of the costs. I I don't have a problem with him doing it. I just think I'm just not sure it's going to come off like everybody thinks it's going to. Yeah, I, I, do you, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Do you? Um, it is a bit of a big deal. It'll be a big deal if Vince pulls the rug out on it. But yeah, it, it's still kind of a big deal to see the Undertaker outside of the fam. I mean, see, because for me, it's not as big a deal because I remember and it gets people in the doors at an all elite wrestling event. So yeah, no, yes. I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying now. No, that that's actually an okay argument. You've talked me out of this. I mean, I mean, I remember Undertaker before he was in WWF. So it's one of those things where I've been able to see him outside of the comforts. There are two generations of fans who only know Undertaker from WWE and always thought he was a lifer and because he's always been a main eventer all their lives, could never see him doing something outside of the confines of Vince McMahon's world. And it's it's a fascinating thing. It's, it's like it's, 30 years of that almost. I mean, he's been yeah. the Undertaker for n- nearly 30 years. You know, exactly Skyscraper, years. I think it was 80... Mark Callis or whatever. Nah, yeah, Mean Mark. Mean Mark Callis. Um, I forgot his name in Memphis. Uh, Big Red. Yeah, Big Red. At one point. Yep. But, um, yeah, no, it's it's a fascinating thing. Um, I, I'm it's and And plus, you know... For those of us who are in the bubble, such as people who listen to podcasts like these, the political machinations are always the most fascinating thing about the pro wrestling business. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, Jimmy Uso, it's Jimmy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jay was a couple years ago yeah. on the DUI front. But Jimmy now has a DUI, is that right? Uh, n- no, Jimmy was arrested for, uh, let's see. Per TMZ, Uso was with his wife Naomi, also a WWE superstar. When they were pulled over by police, Naomi, according to the report, was driving the wrong way on a one-way street, and the car reeked of alcohol. She was ordered to get out of the car and was talking with officers when Uso got out of the car and confronted them. He took off his jacket and shirt and squared up in a fighting stance. Can I just say that I love that the copy calls him Uso still? Yeah, yeah. After calming down, he was arrested for disorderly conduct and obstruction. He was later released on bond. Um, I Nobody knows if this is going to affect the pay-per-view on Sunday. I don't think it will, but I think they will be punished by not being on the Mania card, which is important to them. That's interesting. But, um, Maybe. That may very well be the case, and they may have to punish them, even if they don't necessarily want to punish I them. Don't, you know what? You may not have to. I mean, it's just disorderly conduct and obstruction. It's not a big... I don't even think these are felonies. Yeah, and, and there's no actual alcohol in any of those charges, right? It's just he was. No, that's true. Yeah, so I. It, this may be nothing. Yeah, this may very well be nothing. Yeah, so I'm not going to worry about it that much. Uh, in terms of the latter half television, the only thing that caught my eye was NXT. So uh, let's go into that. Yeah, let's go into that. I actually kind of like the formatting on this show here this week in certain ways. So, like, I like so? this opening match with Dominic Dijakovic. His push has been a little herky-jerky, but I liked this beat 
of Shane Thorne, the tag team specialist, and we we talk about this a lot, where you have a tag team and they're always very formidable as a tag team, but as singles performers, you can give them a few losses and it doesn't really matter. But when Shane Thorne comes to the ring, he's got a certain level of credibility. Um, and, and so I liked that pairing. It's weird to me that Dijakovic is a baby face, at least operationally so far. There's a couple things I found odd about this. Number one, I would swear that they would have made some sort of reference to the fact that Shane Thorne was normally a tag team wrestler and that the Mighty was no more, at least. But this was one of the things I guess they decided to put in the memory hole because of the way it went down. When was the Mighty uh, no more? Uh, I I put it down my memory hole, apparently. Oh, um... What happened? Uh, uh, what did they at do? least a couple months back, um, the other guy in the Mighty... Oh, he got uh, canned, didn't he? Well, he didn't get arrested. He asked for his release um, because um, his girlfriend got pregnant and was giving birth, and he wanted to go back there, and then he just decided he wanted to stay. Oh, okay. That was so, kind of yeah, quiet. So, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it hit the release, but they never announced it on WWE television okay. or anything so like that. Okay, so that's why it didn't cross me. Yeah, okay. I, I just... I found, I found this match weird because, uh, again... I don't think this is the kind of match you should be having right now with Dijakovic if you're going to push him because it's a little too early. You still have to establish him as a uber powerhouse, and I just thought he got his ass beat too much um, by a smaller guy and looked bad for a while until he made his comeback. Like when he did the uh, springboard outside, the uh, the twisting. Yeah, the corkscrew They call it plancha. a plancha, but it, was a, but it was a fist. I don't think it was a plancha. I yeah. think it was a fist, and I think they just missed that. That was awesome, and that got this crowd excited. But up until then, he was. Just, it, it's one of those things where we still want to give credibility to Shane Thorne, who is the better half of the mighty, in my opinion. But at the same time, I was just like, wow, this is too much offense before the the comeback. But uh, maybe that's just me. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's the confusing thing for me is Dijakovic as a baby face. I kind of see it, but like his music is the music of a heel, and he and he carries himself like a heel. That that's the other thing is is he carries himself as angry as opposed to kind of like hand slapping and stuff, and it's not. Feast Your Eyes is kind of an imperative. It's commanding the audience to pay attention to him, which is Mm -hmm. sort of like an appeal to vanity almost. Yeah. No, I I agree. There there is that problem. Uh, I'll I'll tell you where where my disconnect was. My disconnect was in the tag team match tonight. Uh, Because going into it, I don't mind babyface versus babyface matches. This this match almost was like a old Crockett squash in a way. But it was a certain kind of Crockett squash. They'd always have these... They, you'd have the typical squashes where you'd have two geeks. But there'd be some times where it'd be, a, it'd be a tag team on the rise you're trying to get over. Where they'd fight a team like Pez Watley and a guy. Or the Italian Stallion and a guy. And Pez Watley would get in there. He'd get some moves on the heels. He'd tag into the new kid. And the new kid would just get creamed. And that's kind of what this was with Humberto Carrillo and uh, Stacey Irvin Jr., I thought. But the thing that was weird to me was after the Ono thing where he gets where he knock, where he gets knocked out by Keith Lee, the Street Profits come out. They're obviously babyfaces. 
But then they almost work as heels. I was just say, is that so obvious? And I, yeah, they worked as heels, but then they did the promo, babyface promo, which was babyface. Yeah. But man, when Montez Ford cheap shotted the babyface team, mm-hmm. I thought, and then they started cornering the babyface team. They, they were cornering and, they, and cutting off the ring, and I commented to my friend, I'm like, oh, they're turning them. Uh, this is this is a heel move, heels corner. I thought that exactly. I thought they were turning them. I thought I knew that they were going to pin Irvin Jr., who is really. I mean, and when they say he's been turning heads at the performance center, Dude, it's true. He's he so athletic. These two together, uh, they need to have an actual look. But these two, they're vertical. Like both of them, they jump. So incredibly high. It's awesome. I think they may have given him even a little bit too much offense in here. If 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 we were going to make the Street Profits heels, but they didn't. And then they cut a babyface promo afterwards. But it was so weird because Nigel is kind of playing up the, well, this is a new aggressive feel for the Street Profits. And I'm like, okay, it's one of two things. It's either the heel turn or the ruthless aggression crap. And you're like, oh no! Uh, you know, when when they're doing, the, I mean, when they got on the mic, I'm like, okay, here goes. They're gonna heal on this crowd, and they didn't. And I was like, huh, that's odd. And it makes all the sense in the world for them to basically fill that gap that the mighty was filling. Especially now that we know that uh, Shane, or not Shane Thorne, Nick Miller isn't gonna be there anymore. They could slot right into that role. Well, we ended with kind of a tag team scrum with them, Birch and. Uh... Oni, uh, War Machine, the Undisputed Era was in there. Who was the Who was the other team that I'm missing here that uh, came down to challenge the them? The Undisputed Era. Oh, Bartel and Eichner, our boys. Bartel and Eichner. Yeah. No. I. I uh, <laughs> dude, get, get, I'll take an art Bartel and Eichner versus Street Profits feud. They've been. I'm into yeah. that. I'm into them thinking that the Street Profits are goofy and Bartel and Eichner are here to have serious wrestling matches. Give me Ford and Eichner just doing crazy crap on the ropes for five minutes. I'm good with that, too. Yeah, yeah. That'll be a fun dichotomy of styles, too, with those two. No, you know, NXT has always had, you know, it's like every two years or so they get a great tag team renaissance in there, you know, where they'll have, like, four teams that are really good that can have pretty good matches with each other. I, I'm still kind of waiting for that great Street Profits match for them to take off, you know, take take off the reins and just let them run free a bit because they've been kind of stuck with these Forgotten Sons level teams and things like that. But I think, you know, versus a guys who know what they're doing in the ring a little bit more, like the War Raiders or even, uh, or even Lorkin and, and Birch who are veteran guys I, I think I think but to that end in order to get there they're gonna have to turn heel yeah I, I guess so I mean we'll see if you're gonna face Lorkin and Birch uh, I mean unless you want to turn Lorkin and Birch and the War Raiders heel I think you're gonna have to turn the Street Profits into kind of dastardly tricky heels uh, yeah or you just kind of say everybody kind of has their own agenda type of thing yeah you can do that too you can then <laughs> I don't know. I it, I would not be shocked if in the next week we hear Vanessa Bourne, Tainara Conti, and Aaliyah were all released. Yeah, boy. I, I, I do not feel great about Tainara Conti going forward here. I, I kind of liked what she was doing. She's green, but 
this uh, this was a, a severe goopering of them. But it, it's almost like with Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah, they have some sort of weird angle going on here. Well, it, it was odd because Tainara Conti doesn't usually work babyface. I don't think she's ever worked babyface until this night. So everybody in that full sail crowd who's seen her before always knew to boo her, or at least they weren't going to like her. So she comes out kind of playing, you know, she's in the green sparkly outfit now as opposed to the geese she's been wearing and things like that. And and she's, she's you know, she's trying to get the crowd to cheer for her, but we've never seen an official turn from her into a baby face. So the only reason they would even know to cheer her is if they like her more than Aaliyah. And Aaliyah's kind of a cult favorite amongst, uh, you know, the Florida crowd down there because she's been there so long and, and you know, everybody else has kind of gotten promoted while she stayed down there. So, so it's a very weird thing down there. But then this angle with uh, Jessamine and Marina and Shayna, this is the kind of angle I do if, if, you're, if you're going to cut people. Yeah, yeah, because there's I mean, almost no recovery. You, you've been like sort of knocked down a peg for good once Shayna Baszler comes out there and just like obliterates you. Yeah, and 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 you know, it's. I mean, I I think Vanessa Bourne improved while there, but you know they've been trying her with Kona Reeves a bit. You know, she's you know in her early 30s now. I mean, what's the upside if if they haven't brought her up yet? Aaliyah's been in there for God knows how long. I mean, she was in there when when we first started Shake Them Ropes, and they were doing breaking ground and covering that. I still think Tainar has upside because she's so athletically gifted from her judo background. But they already, you know, they have Ronda Rousey. They have other mixed martial artist types. The only thing that makes me think they might keep her around is at least, you know, Moro was on commentary and talking about how she got inspired to get into MMA because of Ronda Rousey. So it, they were trying to give her some credibility still on commentary. Yeah, but she's been in both May Young Classics. She's been here. They've teamed her with, uh, they've teamed her with the Brazilians for a while because they're a natural pairing. She was in the Undisputed Era for a week, if you remember that. Um, <laughs> when did that happen? What? Oh, it, it happened before Roddy joined, and they were kind of using her to get to, I think, Candice versus Gargano when they were feuding. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and then, and then they quickly dropped it um, as a, we were just playing around with her or whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would not be surprised if they, but they don't release anybody. <laughs> because they're deathly afraid of them going elsewhere. Although, I, I still think... Uh, this my, is a bad running... time of year to release somebody unless you were going to release them with some sort of stipulation that they can't work for X amount of days. Well, my running joke was, you know what? Aaliyah could have gone to stardom for a two-year excursion by now, come back and been the best woman in this on this roster. I mean, she's only 23 or something like that still, and she's been here since 19. And you're just like, man, you're just waiting for her to put it together. Because she's, I mean, she's look, got she has like a talent. little bit of a Ginny vibe. Yeah, very much so. In fact, it's probably too close to Ginny right now. Yeah, that might actually be one of her problems. Uh, what was next that uh, came up to mind on here? Oh, then we, we had, had Ricochet the, uh, versus Adam Cole. A very good match. I liked this match a lot. I did not like it as much as other people, but uh, it's mostly due to my old school watching of wrestling i i thought it i thought it was great and i thought selling the leg was great but for me i'm watching this story and i'm going why are you trying to do all your aerial maneuvers when you're hurt as opposed to another game plan 
And I don't think I don't think they take that extra step in thinking because it used to be an, uh, a well-worn trope in wrestling. It's like, oh, if you really want to kind of get over a guy, you take away his main thing and then he still finds a way to win using his other skills. And I, I was watching it. I loved the one-legged flip onto the legs, even though it kind of missed a little bit. But um, no, it, it, was a, it was a great look. Both Ricochet and Adam Cole are great. It was just I had a little bit of a... Watching it, I was kind of like a little confused at the time, but you know, it was fine. It got him over, got him over as a hurt baby face, overcoming odds, and then the undisputed era came in for a, for an old school horseman beatdown. I liked that. Yeah, and then Alistair Black makes the save. I was kind of waiting for somebody else to come in and make the additional save there, and that little beat was a bit weird, where it was just Alistair Black and Ricochet getting their ass kicked in a four on two scenario. And they also moved away from any kind of dissension angle with the Undisputed Era. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. That, in, that's, in that, in that they were teasing promo, that. They were definitely teasing that at one point. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were teasing it, and then t- tonight, I get or the last night, they decided, okay, Bobby Fish is is kind of reclaiming that he's part of the tag team with Kyle O'Reilly, and then you know Roddy just kind of went, okay, great, I can go after singles gold. Although they could come back to it, it could be a a, a thing of. Roddy wins something while Adam Cole keeps losing, so there's dissension there. I mean, it, it, it's possible, but um, you know, either way, it's a nice backoff point. I kind of, I'm kind of digging the build here. Yes, I'm digging the build. I still don't have a clear sense of what the undisputed era's long-term game plan is, and sometimes that can be a good thing, and sometimes that can be not such a good thing. We'll see what happens. That's all I have for my NXT notes. Uh, if you had something else, let me know now. <laughs> no, I, I've got nothing else. 205 or NXT UK? <sighs> Neither did much for me, to be honest with you. Um, Let's do 205, thought, okay? Okay. So this opening little promo with the Lucha House Party was not perfect, but I think it was a major step in the right direction to giving the Lucha House Party any degree of flavor whatsoever and Lince Dorado did more to connect with me as a watcher just as a character from him talking for just those few moments than he has for most of his run he's a good wrestler and everything but they never talk or do anything other than just be kind of zany and I like the idea of the Lucha House Party as being sort of 205 Live's New Day, but they need to actually do some talking and cool it down on the pancakes part of the New Day. I had never realized, but I think you're onto something. I think they are exactly 205 Live's New Day. I think that I think that's exactly what they've been marketed it as and tried to be built as. I, I just saw this as more of kind of the the secondary part of the whole Elias skit that they did together. Yeah. Yeah, that's also true. Um, it, it was fine. Um, you know, I, I'd like a little bit better builds in this, but... Uh, but the difference between the Elias skit and this skit was the amount of talking and, and the style of dialogue that the Lucha House Party guys had this time. I, I mean, I, I kind of like that we're doing a bit of a Kenny from South Park, like the first few seasons gimmick with Grand Metal League. It's a, li- <laughs> it's a little goofy, but I actually am kind of on board with this, where Lince and Kalisto talk, and Grand Metal League is always... And, and they can both understand him perfectly. 
Yeah, and I, I don't think he has the best English in the world either, so that also helps just the muffled Spanish, and then they can they can translate it. It's fine for me. Um, I, I, I'll tell you about I'm not the biggest Noam Dar, Dar fan, and if, if you're a Noam Dar fan, this was your week, because between this and uh, UK, you got a couple of matches from him, but uh, I like what they did with Tony Nese. Yeah, I like what they did with Tony Nese, and I actually I liked this match. I, I thought that it, it managed to eventually connect. I, it was just killing me how much they had to kill themselves to connect with this crowd. Yeah, it's it's a dangerous trend in wrestling, I think. It's, it's the indie guys who are in front of jaundiced crowds or WWE crowds who are conditioned, and then... And then, and then they have to do like three times as much to get half as much of a response. I'm, I'm really, although you know, I, I think for Nisa's character, he kind of needed it. I think, I think, uh, you know, I, I think he has more potential as a character than Noam Dar right now. Oh I yeah, mean, absolutely. He's one of the him- more interesting wrinkles in the division because it's like he's friends with Buddy Murphy. But eventually, Tony Nese wants the title, and there's always been this standing tension between Tony and Buddy, even though they're aligned together. And there have been a few times where they've teased it going to that next chapter. It hasn't quite got there, but this win over Gnome Dar once again positions Tony Nese to eventually, maybe, butt heads with Buddy Murphy. And I, I think he, you know, we always talk about Cedric Alexander as being one of the more interesting points on this show. I think Tony Nese actually has the ability to be as interesting as Cedric Alexander, if not more so because his storyline wasn't interrupted by the Mustafa Ali removal. It it appears that the point of Drew Gulak and Jack Gallagher is that they are now trying to recruit Umberto Carrillo. Yeah, absolutely. Which is interesting. I I, I kind of like this. I I think it's going to be a double cross. I, I think what they're really worried is that the Lucha House Party is going to get a fourth member. I'd actually like to see Umberto turn on the Lucha House Party. That would be me. interesting. Uh, you know, a heel Umberto Carrillo is interesting, although we are taking away his best asset at this point. His best asset, which is he's, he's a young, fresh face who can yeah, who can jump around a lot. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you one thing. An assist should go this week to one Neville uh, as a character on this show because that entire contract signing kind of revolved around the king of the cruiserweights. I, that I was, was kind really of shocked great. by how they brought I, him up. I liked the way that Tozawa was able to invoke Neville without ever saying the name by just slapping that inflection on king of the cruiserweights. That was great. I, yeah, I kind of... Uh, that was clever. I kind of miss, I miss continuity. I do. <laughs> you know, when a person is persona non grata from the roster, and it's kind of like... Oh yeah, we've just kind of moved on with our lives. It's the WWE universe. Oh, and by the way, yeah, I'm. But uh, it's super important for Tozawa. You almost can't tell his story without talking about the time he won the title. Chris, it's unfortunate because the cruiserweight title match is once again relegated to the pre-show this Sunday. Uh, that's what I said was going to happen, and it happened. I'm not right all the time, but I feel pretty good that 205 Live is probably going to end up on the pre-show more often than not. Yeah, but for the fans of 205 Live, they really, really love it. It's just a shame. Uh, <laughs> and I'm one of those fans, um, but I was not a fan of what we're doing with Arya Davari now. 
This is oh. guy who buys denim vest, gold chain, wife beater, and wool hat and is trying to look tough, but all of them are brand new. I don't get this. I don't get how you go from being the silken shirt money guy to guy who hangs out in beat up warehouse quizzically. It, it, it's the dichotomy of the gangster culture where you're dressing up in the fine clothes, but you can also get down and dirty if you need to be street tough type of thing. I think they're just playing both sides against each other here. I think, okay, so you could kind of turn me on this a little bit if he came out talking like this and dressed like this now and people started calling him on it. Like, what is this new tough guy thing that you're trying to do? Well, no, it's it's the opposite. It, it, it's like when he's in public, when he's making the presentation type of thing, he is he is wearing the silk shirts and he's the money guy. But he's really. But in order to, uh, I I don't one think, of them, I, one of I, I get them, what you're trying on, to on, say. I don't think that that's what they're thinking here. I just one don't think there's any con. Oh, really? You think? Well, I think that they just abandoned ship on the rich guy. Do. Yeah, he's just not the okay. million dollar man anymore, and now he's supposed to be tough guy Davari. And you, so this is the pivot. Yes. they they pivoted after after the. Uh, okay, no, I yeah, I, I, I go think with this is too. a clean break. Is what this is. I, I was, just thought I was, it was wa- kind of a goofy clean break. <laughs> Stupid me paying attention and trying to make sense of things, thinking it was continuity. And no, stuff. I, I saw you trying character. to reconcile the two tensions, and it was noble. It was noble, but that's not what's yes. happening here. Yes, the hero's journey goes through the Shake Them Ropes podcast, where Jeff, the writer, tries to make sense of a character depth where there is no character depth. It's one man's struggle against the plot every week oh, here on Chris, Shake I'm Them Ropes. To- Support the show at patreon.com slash shake them ropes. Oh, I'm going to cleanse myself and read, you know, Twain after this or something. Um, That's some good writing. Yeah. That's some fun writing. So love, let's talk Mark about um, NXT UK. I know you love Mark Twain, but we still have to talk about wrestling. Oh, I know. Um, uphill battle this week, I thought, for NXT UK because this, these were the shows taped at WWE Access in Phoenix during Royal Rumble weekend which means it was not your home crowd, which means it was mostly, you know, main roster family types who were coming to see some wrestling and maybe they could see, you know, one of their favorites. Um, Overall, the wrestling wasn't bad. I mean, the Noam Dar Jordan Devlin match was good for what it was, but no one popped for uh, Travis Banks coming out. I thought Ginny versus Mia Yim was perfectly fine. Got her some heel heat for having yes. her feet on the ropes. No, no, that was actually a constructive part of her build because, like, Mia Yim was a more formidable opponent, and Ginny got out of there with the win, but she needed to take some shortcuts to get there. And then uh, Wolfgang and Pete Dunn for the title. You know, you build up Gallus a little bit, and then you feed him to the guys that you really care about. I'm fine with that. It was it was a good little match. Are you gonna? Yeah, the only thing I didn't like in that match is Wolfgang basically had Pete Dunn down for like a visual five or six there, and I thought that yeah. was a bit excessive. Yeah, I, I I see that, and it looks like the Coffee Brothers are probably gonna get a win over uh, Haskins and. Uh, and uh, the mod father, uh, Flash Morgan Webster, yes, next right. week. I, I, they're going to be around for a while as your major heels when Walt, because Walter can't be here week to week, and they also, I think, taped two or three episodes of this in Phoenix. Um, I, I did like. Uh, they kind of the sit other... in the undisputed era role on NXT UK. Oh, they're just... oh, I think they're lower. No, I, I I'm aware of that. That was the second part of that sentence. 
Oh, they're, okay, they're, sorry. They're, I mean, they're still wearing logo-y, uh, NXT UK logo-y inspired clothing. So, yeah, no, they're, they're a notch lower. You know, I want to go back real quickly to the Tony Storm Rhea Ripley thing. I was about to go into that. I wasn't. I'm, I'm still not sure I liked it, or but I didn't hate it either. It, it was kind of weird for me. Yeah. So my thing was, I didn't think it was going all that well, and I thought that. And, and to your point, it would have gone better in front of that NXT UK crowd. But I think that's also sometimes the comfort zone that they've gotten in with the NXT UK crowd thing, where they're only writing for the home base, and they're not really thinking about how this stuff is playing anywhere other than with that one home crowd, and NXT UK is part of World Wrestling Entertainment, so it's going to be all over the place, so things like yeah, that can was, go dead. There was nothing to this promo other than I won the title we're done it's talking. my title and I have a rematch and, and, and what should have happened there was a ref pull apart I didn't like Rhea Ripley beating a retreat yeah it, it was just it, there were a lot of beats that were off on it I, I just don't think they had anything planned in terms of there's no character conflict between these two other than the title it's very weird because I mean <laughs> You know, you can talk about her stupid hair all you want, but she still beats you. And there needs to be that kind of professional tension as well as the personal tension. And it just it came off very stilted because they don't really like to have that kind of heat in there. Um, and also, you know, quite frankly, if this is a logical universe... I'd see Ginny walking down there and attacking Tony Storm while Rhea Ripley has her distracted. But, uh, yeah, this promo, I Tony Storm's missing something here. I don't know what it is because she has the look. And she has a certain kind of charisma, but it's not the same kind of charisma she had in that first Mae Young Classic run where she was just hot as hell in terms of the crowd There's something reaction. about when she turns it down, it goes really down. It's like, She's yeah. like heavy metal music in that it only works when you have a distortion pedal that goes to 10 or 11. If, if you try to do a lot of those riffs on the clean channel, it sounds pretty weak, and I kind of felt like to use that guitar metaphor. We had a little bit of Tony Storm on light gain this week, and it doesn't work. And it's also hard, because I think this is like one of those 8 a.m. crowds at Access that they're doing here or something. It, it, but that it just, wasn't the everything. only problem with the promo. It, no. Yeah, it, it, no, they, it, it, wasn't. it wasn't landing with the audience, and I could see that, but it also just wasn't fundamentally... There wasn't anything to it. It was bland. Yeah, but but it all fed into each other. It wasn't landing with the audience, and you could see they were getting frustrated it wasn't landing with the audience, where it would have landed with a U.K. crowd. That U.K. crowd kind of lulls them sometimes into easy habits well i mean but that happens everywhere i mean that happens at pwg that ha i mean in, in your most raucous crowd situations you take it for granted that they're going to do they're going to react some way and when they don't you have to be able to adapt to it and and i i think that's just you know that uh, you know that's just part of the learning curve a bit and that's also part of Part of getting to know wrestling fans versus WWE fans. Yeah, that that's a big thing to it. Um, the WWE audience has very specific expectations and has been groomed a certain conditioned. way. Yeah, conditioned yeah. a certain way. Yeah, so another plug for uh, Patreon.com slash Shake Them Ropes. You can follow me at CrapGame13. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. I might be wrapping up the show without asking Chris if he had any other points. 
So I'm going to do No, that I, I don't right have now. any other points. We, 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 we hit them all. No, it's okay. But here's my point, Jeff. My point is I really do want you to go and check out this Andy Kaufman episode of Shake Them Ropes. We spent a lot of time watching this Andy Kaufman material. It was a labor of love, but it was also very much labor. And I spent a lot of time editing this show and it's real nice. It sounds real good. It's edited real well. And it's very much worth your buck a month donation. So please go to patreon.com slash shake them ropes today and sign up and become a member of the Shake Them Ropes family. We'll be back on Tuesday talking Elimination Chamber. If you want my hot takes on Elimination Chamber, I'll be over at Fightful.com doing the post show with Sean Ross Sapp. My more measured takes will be over here with Chris once I've digested it all and realized I was probably wrong about everything I said on Sunday. Enjoy your long weekend, those of you here in the States. Enjoy Elimination Chamber on Sunday. We'll talk to you next week. Go to Don'tWorry.tv and subscribe to Don't Worry About the Government. Bye. (laughs) I forgot your other... I'm trying to run a business here.